Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I mean, think about it from Job's perspective. If there was ever a time that he needed his wife to encourage him, it was now. I'll tell you, there's nothing worse to me than when the enemy can get into a marriage, whether it's the wife or the husband, bring about this type of dynamic into the marriage. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. Job's wife told him to curse God and die. Pastor J.D. teaches us that though this was in fact a plea from a loving wife trying to end her husband's suffering, it was also sinful. Those of us in wedlock must be certain to place God first always. If we don't, we risk asking the wrong thing of our spouses, even though it was done with the best of intentions. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Job chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. He's sitting in a rubbish heap. What, what, what do you mean? Oh, in that day and even today, you'll find this to be true. They would burn the rubbish to ash. That's where he is. And he's not standing. He can't. He's sitting in the midst of this ash heap and scraping, trying to find just a little bit of relief from the itching and pain from these boils that cover him from head to toe. Can you imagine? And here's the thing. It's going to get even worse. As I was preparing this teaching, and I'm, I'm like, man, what if this were me? I can't even imagine the the pain physically and emotionally and psychologically. What is going through his mind right about now? Being in that severe of pain. And when I say it's going to get even worse, um, one need look no further than to the list of references that Job makes to his unspeakable pain and suffering. One commentator actually did it. And so uh, I want to just quickly go over this. Um, The first one is here in verse 8, this intense itching as he scrapes himself. You know, itching is horrible. Isn't it? It's especially when, so the other day I, I get a mosquito bite. I hate mosquitoes. I, I am convinced that there will not be mosquitoes in heaven, nor will there be cockroaches in heaven. I, I'm pretty sure there won't be cockroaches in heaven. But anyway, so I get this mosquito bite. And I don't know what it is about my skin. Um, 
you know, maybe it's a, a, a ethnic cuisine. They think, hey, well, let's get a Mediterranean cuisine here. So they they just, man, I, so I got the, actually two. I don't think it was the same mosquito. If it was, I cursed that mosquito, I want you to know. But it was on the back of my leg, and they're very clever, those things, because they, they go where you can't see them. Because, I mean, how many of us are looking at the... Anyway, so I'm, I'm itching this, and the more I itch it, the more it itches me. Now, I had heard it said that the more you itch, the more it will itch you. Stop itching it, it will stop itching you. <laughs> is that a thing? Well, anyway, let's just say it is. So I, I tried that, and I'm, I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to itch it, I'm not going to itch it, ah, I couldn't I itch it, I'm scratching it, and then it's itching more, and I'm, I'm, I'm in turmoil, I'm going through a trial. And then I studied Job, and I'm repenting at my itching of one mosquito bite. What a wimp. <laughs> Can you imagine just the itchy? How about the pain, the intense pain? When we get to chapter 30, he says, My bones are pierced in me at night, and my gnawing pain takes no rest. He had a peeling and darkening of the skin. Also in chapter 30, he says, My skin grows black and falls from me. In chapter 7, he talks about pus-filled, erupting sores. So, by the way, I'm sorry if this is graphic for the faint at heart, but these boils were, well, I, I don't need to go that far, but it, actually in chapter 7, listen to this. He, he describes it. My flesh is caked with worms and dust. My skin is cracked and breaks out afresh. He was emaciated. Would you have an appetite going through all this? In chapter 19, he says, my bone clings to my skin and to my flesh. We're going to see it tonight when his friends do finally come on the scene, the three three friends, so-called. Um, with friends like that, I think this is where that saying came from, with friends like that who needs enemies. Uh, but uh, he is so hideous from being covered in all of these boils. They don't even recognize him. And these are his friends. They don't even recognize this man. So uh, there's fever, <laughs> chapter 30. My bones burn with fever. Depression, understandably. He says, I loathe my life. I would not live forever. Turmoil, he says in chapter 30, my heart is in turmoil and cannot rest. Days of affliction confront me. I go about mourning, weeping. In chapter 16, he says, my face is flushed with weeping. Sleeplessness, who could sleep? Sleep deprivation. When I lie down, I say, when shall I arise and the night be ended? That... You had nights like that. Hmm. Nightmares. He says in chapter 7, Then you scare me with dreams and terrify me with visions. How about this one in chapter 19? Putrid breath. He says, My breath is offensive to my wife. <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing. That's, this is way worse than morning breath here we're talking about, okay? Difficulty breathing. In chapter 19, he says, he will not allow me to catch my breath. Failing vision. 
chapter 16, he says, On my eyelids is the shadow of death, rotting teeth. I have escaped by the skin of my teeth, chapter 19. Haggard looks when they raise their eyes from afar, as we're going to see in verse 12, speaking of his friends, they did not recognize him. Painful swollen sores all over his body, as we just read, these painful boils from head to toe, really the bottom of his feet. And then lastly, of all of this, no relief, not even a little relief. He says, oh, that I were as in months past in chapter 29. Then in chapter 7, he says, and I have been allotted months of futility. In other words, it doesn't end. There's no end in sight. There's no relief in sight. That'll do something to a man's hope. It's been said that you can live a certain amount of time without food. You can only live a certain amount of time without water, but you can live for only a few seconds without hope. Without hope. Well, verse 9, and I want to take this verse by itself. I think you'll see why here in a moment. Then his wife said to him, we're introduced to Mrs. Job here, and it's not really that good. So this is what she says. Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. So I have a confession to make, and it's that of my tendency to be a little bit too harsh on uh, Job's wife. And the Lord had me revisit this and... In so doing, he really ministered something to me, and I just kind of want to share it with you. Um, Think about this. She, too, has just lost everything, right? And what do we know to be true when it comes to the wife as it relates to the husband? The wife is the weaker vessel, not inferior, not inferior. Um, women are more emotional. That's the way God made them. Thankfully, by the way. Um, Think about now from her perspective what has just happened. And I'm going to make a suggestion here, not to excuse it, but maybe in some way to explain what she says here. And let me preface it this way. I think we do err greatly when we think that we would handle a certain situation differently because you don't know how you're going to handle something that comes into your life. You think, I I would never, oh, wait a minute. I would never say something like that. How do you know that? How do you know? I would never do that. How do you know? How do you know? When we got the diagnosis that our daughter Noel would not live, I'll tell you, there were emotions that were very real. Very real. And I don't care how solid or spiritual you think you are, when life hits that way, it has a way 
of really moving and shaking you to the core. You know, when, and I want to talk about this here more in a moment, but uh, let's not be too hard on her. Let's not be too hard on her. Okay? Uh, th- this poor woman has not only lost everything and her children as well, but in addition to that, she's watching her husband, who doubtless she loves very, very much, suffer in ways that she cannot bear to see. Again, I'm not in any way trying to excuse what she says, but I think in some way it should explain why she says what she says. To me, it's as if she's saying, man, um, I want God to put you out of your suffering. Maybe you could do something that will cause God to expedite it. Certainly if you cursed him, which, oh, by the way, just so happens to be exactly what Satan wants him to do. Maybe if you curse him, then he'll just put an end to this, put you out of your your misery. I like how one commentator explained it. He says, she can't bear to see her husband suffer like this. Her heart, already crushed, by the loss of her ten children, is now without hope. (laughs) She is saying, curse God, and He'll strike you dead too. Then you can escape this pain. Death would be better than this. And certainly, Job is going to want that. In fact, Job is going to question why it is, and we'll see this in the next chapter, why it is that God would even keep him alive. Why would, what's, what's the point? It would seem that the best thing for me now would be for my life to end. One commentator suggested something, and I, I guess in all fairness I could see how they get there. I can't quite get there, but it does speak to the insidiousness and cunning of the devil. This is what the suggestion is, and this is interesting. Suggestion is that uh, Satan did not kill Job's wife. He could have, right? He was allowed to do anything except touch Job. Certainly he killed all of Job's children. Why would he not also kill Job's wife? Well, the suggestion was that uh, he knew that uh, she could come in handy for (laughs) such a time as this and actually try to assist him in getting Job to curse God. Again, not to say that Satan is all-knowing, but Satan does study us. And maybe he saw this spiritual lack in Job's wife's life, 
and he sought to exploit it. Now, the only reason I even mention it is because oftentimes those closest to us can be the most hurtful to us. I mean, you think about it from Job's perspective, if there was ever a time that he needed his wife to encourage him, it was now. I'll tell you, there's nothing worse to me than when the enemy can get into a marriage, whether it's the wife or the husband, bring about this type of dynamic into the marriage. Um, aren't we to be helpmeets? Um, shouldn't she be there for her husband and just encourage him, bless him? Honey, what can I do? I don't know what God's doing. i got to believe by faith that God knows what He's doing. But for some reason He has allowed this adversity to strike. I love you so much. I can't stand to see you like this. But to say to him, curse God, and maybe he'll put you out of your misery. What's Job's response going to be? Oh, can't wait. Verse 10, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. And then he says this, listen, shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. Wow. What kind of a man is this? What? Oh, make no mistake. I hope you don't think for a second that he's calling his wife a fool. Absolutely not. He's saying to her, you're speaking as one who is foolish. That's, that's folly. What you speak is folly. He's not calling her a fool. What he is doing, in the midst of unthinkable and unspeakable pain, he's ministering to his wife. That convicts me. As a husband, that really convicts me. Um, if I'm sitting <laughs> and smelling, and by the way, the sense of smell is the most powerful of all the senses because of the way that it uh, impacts a certain part of the brain. And, that, and that's why it is you can smell a smell and instantly it will bring a memory back. That's because of the area of the brain that that sense um, stimulates. It, 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 it connects to the memory uh, center in the brain. He, he's sitting in there. Imagine the stench of this rubbish heap. And he's not sleeping. He's certainly not eating. He can't stand. He has to just sit there or lie there. He cannot get comfortable. And he's 
itching. He's in this horrific pain. And here comes his wife, and she's not bringing him lunch. Uh, She's bringing something else with her. She's basically bringing a curse. And his response is to minister to her. Don't talk like that, honey. That's foolish. You're, you're, You're speaking as those who are foolish would speak. That's, that's folly. That is pure folly. And here's why, honey, if I can paraphrase it this way. Um, God is good. And we have to be willing to accept the good from the hand of God as much as we would also be willing to accept the adversity from the hand of God. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 14. I've shared it often. It's been one that God has really ministered to me in my life over the years. Um, And I think it is the key, and I use that word for lack of a better one, the key to uh, having peace in the midst of a trial. Uh, There is this Sadly, this notion within the life of a Christian that everything is supposed to go smoothly. And certainly uh, there is a, um, a group within the body of Christ known as the Word Faith Movement that promotes this. That if you just have enough faith, uh, you'll be healthy and wealthy. And, you know, um, just name it and claim it, (laughs) if you just have enough faith. And I hate to say it this way, but maybe I have to say it this way. That comes from the pit of hell. That is not only not biblical, it is demonic to me. To suggest that in... (laughs) I know I've shared this, maybe it's appropriate that I I share it again, but I actually had somebody after my daughter died come to me and say to me, if you would have had enough faith, your daughter wouldn't have died. And i got to tell you something. I'd like to think of myself as being pretty grounded and pretty rooted, you know, soundly in the Word of God. So I didn't fall for that, but I could have. Job's life shifted radically and quickly from prosperity to despair, giving him every reason to complain and turn away from God. Yet Job kept his focus on his creator, telling us in chapter 1, verse 21, that the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's not easy to praise the Lord when everything we know falls apart. But as we'll continue to learn from Job, God has a much better and greater plan than we can even comprehend. God will bring us through every trial and tragedy we face and is our ultimate source of comfort and strength. Have you discovered the powerful love of God in your life? If you'd like to know more about this relationship, we have a great guide for you at our website in spiritandtruthradio.com. 
just click on the New Believers link at the top of the page. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church family, one that follows God with all their hearts and live by His Word, and we'll provide you with support as you walk this journey of faith. If you're in the area, why not join us at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe? We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m., and again on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for a time of fellowship, worship, and studying the Bible. We'd love to have you join us. You can find location information through our website. That address again is in spiritandtruthradio.com. Sadly, that's all the time we have for today, but we want to thank you for listening. Be sure to join Pastor J.D. next time as he continues teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Job, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 